Hello, I'm Jamie Bricker. And I'm Carol Bricker. And you're listening to Bricker by Bricker, a podcast to support parents with building productive partnerships between home and school. Well, Carol, I mean, unfortunately, the pandemic is still very much in play, and it just continues to have a really significant impact on the whole teaching and learning experience. And it's been a real challenge for all stakeholders involved in education. And I look at it from a parent's point of view, there's just been seemingly an endless stream of variables and additional stressors. And I think for the past couple of years, they've just kind of combined to really heighten many parents' frustrations with their child's school in particular, and frankly, from a broader perspective, with the whole educational system. Well, just when we look at the ease with which parents can be in contact with their child's teacher, their child's school, like that, there's so many barriers up for parents right now that it certainly does impact that relationship. And when we look back to January, we began a a, a discussion around common frustrations that parents can experience with regard to homeschool communication. And really, uh, you know, they're heightened by the pandemic, I think, but they really apply in what I'll put quotations around normal times as well as pandemic well, whenever times. Well, we, whenever we experience normal times again, hopefully soon, oh. you're right. What we've been discussing and we'll discuss today, they really apply in all situations. Mm-hmm. Because it really, what we're talking about is parents' perceptions on how a meeting went or a conversation went with their child's school. And so today we're just going to continue our discussion about these potential frustrations for parents when it comes to connecting with their child's school. And as I'll just reiterate, you know, these frustrations that we're talking about really are based on the parent's perception. It's how they're reading the situation and when they're their child's teacher, their child's school is involved and is not necessarily the message that the school or the teacher is wanting to, to, you know, convey. Yeah. No, that's, no, thanks for, I think it's important, Carol, thanks for uh, clarifying that because that's a key distinction, a key distinction kind of of the old intent versus impact. And what we've been discussing, we'll discuss today is the potential impact from the parental Mm -hmm. perspective. So let's do just a quick review of the first three of our five common frustrations that we addressed in our previous podcast, and also, of course, some of the uh, recommended solutions we had. Now, the first frustration I think is a really common one is, frankly, that any school contact triggers stress in the parent. It, frankly, kind of immediately thrusts you back decades when, for whatever reason or a combination of reasons, you frankly struggled at school, maybe didn't enjoy it socially or all of the above type thing. So basically bad memories come flooding back from your own school experiences. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to get past that. But as a parent and for the benefit of your child, you really need to be looking at at the school experience from your child's lens. And when your child does something well or has a real positive experience to really build upon that and internalize that piece and look at it from from their perspective. Well, I think it's it's, it's really a win-win because I think it's the old story. We, we all in life tend to avoid things that aren't pleasant experiences. Mm-hmm. So I think really kind of almost showing the maturity, like the social maturity and having open discussions with your child that 
elementary school or maybe especially high school, which can be a rough go for all of us at times, brings back some really kind of negative experiences for you. Well, it doesn't help you as a parent to bury them indefinitely. No. And I think it's it can be a real positive that that open dialogue with your child, obviously, at an age-appropriate level. But to, to really kind of show that kind of human side and growth side, but also it it kind of unburdens you as a parent, but it's wonderful, wonderful modeling for your child. Mm-hmm. That A, you're overcoming your, your challenges, but also B, how much you value school mm-hmm. and their school. Well, definitely. And when you look at social media and all kids are seeing are the positive things in people's lives, it's nice for, for them to as you say, get that perspective and see how as a parent you're working through through that piece and that everybody has stumbling blocks along the way. It's how we overcome those that is the learning experience from that. Absolutely. And the kind of some kind of, I guess I'd call valuable conduit or someone to kind of really soften the blow and support this process, whether it be via Zoom or some other option or in person, hopefully down the road, would be to include an advocate. That that's really you're comfortable with and would really kind of create really that kind of supportive kind of safety net for mm-hmm. you. Oh, definitely. And so the second um, frustration that we talked about was that feeling overcome with educational jargon. And certainly there are so many acronyms out there that are thrown out uh, by by teachers and by school staff that it really can be hard for a parent to follow the conversation. And then you get so overwhelmed with the conversation that, A, you might not know what questions you need to ask or that you don't feel comfortable asking those questions because uh, you don't want to appear like you don't know what's going on. Oh, let's face it. Nobody wants to as you say, appear kind of uninformed or or misinformed or whatever in any kind of meeting situation. And I think it's so important as much as possible then to kind of stay current and stay informed. So regularly visit your child's classroom uh, website, your child's school website, your child's board's website, and, yeah. and collectively they give you a really good sense of kind of what's going on on a daily, weekly, monthly basis and what's your overall board's direction. Mm-hmm. And then kind of to build on that, the Ministry of Education really has done a nice job in putting a variety of different information packets together on their website that is that are for parents specifically and maybe in more layman's terms to really help you understand what's going on. Good point, because clearly, of course, curriculum-wise and content-wise, it's all coming from the ministry. Mm-hmm. And as we've said many times, whether you live in Timmins or Toronto, it's the same yes. you know, it's the same yes. curriculum. Yes. So that's a really good point and, too. And also I just was thinking, um, you know, people who maybe English isn't their first language. The ministry has various two packets, et cetera, in in various other languages available to parents as well. Or that can be something that you could be requesting of your school. Could they direct you as to where to go for that information? No, another excellent resource. And also, Carol, I think of any meeting, and I think back to ourselves as parents, we've gone into schools many times on our on our kids' behalf. It's it's very frustrating to leave a meeting, get in the car 
and go, oh, shoot, I meant to ask. Mm -hmm. Or, oh, geez, uh, the, the conversation went away. It wasn't ex went a direction I wasn't expecting and I forgot to ask. Yeah. So I know we're both big proponents. Come with a few, not 20, but two or three written down questions. Oh, certainly really helps guide the meeting along, too, and make sure that that your questions are being answered and which kind of leads into next uh, frustration that we talked about. Oh, no question. <laughs> Our third frustration was no one is listening, or at least that's <laughs> how it feels. Like you yeah. go to a meeting and everyone's kind of got that permanent smile on their face and they're nodding their heads and, and they're welcoming and everything's everything quote nice, except you just get this underlying current or vibe that everyone's kind of got one eye on the clock and they're just waiting for this meeting to end. And and frankly, everyone's kind of going through the motions. That's just how it feels. And so really in this situation, much like bringing your questions to the meeting, go into the meeting and let the school staff know what it is that you're wanting to achieve from this meeting. You know, I, let them know what your concerns are and and don't be afraid to ask questions and ask for that clarification because really school staff wants you go going away understanding what the plan is moving forward it's an important to have that kind of symmetry to walk in and as you say give an overview of what your concerns are and what you wish to be the focus of the meeting and then at the end of the meeting as you say restate just so we're all on the same wavelength and I have this clear as a parent that this yeah. is the plan moving forward, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. And then one other thing that you can be ensure that you're using because it keeps the meeting on a positive level is using those I statements because they don't come across as accusatory. You're just stating what you understand or what you're feeling, and it really helps to guide that meeting forward in a positive way. So like... I understand that you are saying this, or or I believe that that this might be a good strategy to use with my child. Uh, you know, something along that line to really keep that meeting moving forward and ensuring that you're understanding what's being said, and also that the school staff are understanding your understanding. I was going to say, I love the I statements because the parents taking ownership, but also you're right, it's a great opportunity to kind of address any misalignments yes. before the meeting's over. Yes, yes. So we're going to continue the, our conversation today dealing with our last two common frustrations that te or that parents, excuse me, could be feeling coming out of or, or even going into a meeting with their child's teacher or their child's school. And really, these frustrations can occur during a face-to-face -face meeting, could be during uh, a phone call conversation, could be you know, through a Zoom conference or some sort of video conferencing tool. So they're going to occur in any situation that you're having a meeting with your child's school or teacher based on your perception. I think that's an important point that we totally get it with the pandemic. Meeting opportunities are, are limited and, and the whole format has changed significantly. However, whether now or in the future, what we're talking about is equally applicable. Mm -hmm. And when I think of the phone conversation, I just recently had a phone interview with, with a financial advisor. And what I found coming out of that one 
is I didn't see, I didn't have the body language and the facial expressions to rely on. And I really, in some regards, found that difficult to kind of read where we were going or whose turn it was to speak. So phone conversations are great because they do help clarify any misunderstandings. But really, the the in-person or the video conferencing are probably better because you're getting more information through those nonverbal communication pieces. Anyways, moving on to our, our first one today, but the fourth uh, common meeting frustration is that you feel your child isn't being treated fairly and that the school really doesn't understand your child or maybe doesn't like your child. And basically, whether it's socially or academically or behaviorally, my child's needs are just not being met. And particularly if this has gone on, like I know in some cases, uh, parents feel this has been going on for you know weeks, months, and sometimes years. So the frustration, by the time they, we kind of meet about it, it, it's really been building up. Mm-hmm. Or perhaps, you know, there is an incident at school of some sort and your child's relaying their perception of that situation and your child feels, and, and so hence you feel, that people don't believe you when you say what your feelings are or what, as I say, your perception or your child's perception of that meeting is. Well, you're right. If that, if that trust we've talked about in previous podcasts, if that trust and that relationship and those connections are not in place, then you're right. It can be kind of a, a building over over significant amount of time where, hey, people don't like my, my, my child, they don't get him or her, et cetera. But then there's often, as you say, kind of a, a real tipping point, a, a kind of an incident that kind of breaks the camel's back, so to mm-hmm. speak. And then as a parent, that just really brings kind of a, a culminative kind of uh, flame of frustration really to the surface. And then, of course, you're also concerned because you really sense that your child's self-esteem is, is, is really, you know, plummeting. And then we get into, they, you know, they feel like no one's listening. They feel that no one cares. And then, of course, we get into the very, very real concerns of mental health. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. It certainly has a big impact on on your child's mental health and, and ultimately yours. And then there's those times where you look at what you hear in the community and you feel that other families may be getting more preferential treatment or for the same incident you you know you're hearing so and so this was the consequence but for you know this child this was the consequence and just not feeling that there is that common method of dealing or or is it kind of the yeah. same standard or bar yes. for all yeah no question and along that line carol the whole idea of, you know, kind of a grudge being held, uh, particularly if uh, the child in question is, say, the youngest in your family and you have had several older siblings and some of them might have had major disconnects with previous, yep. like with teachers in the past and or with the principal. It sometimes feels like almost based on on surname alone, your child's being looked at or treated differently. differently. And then, then I think parents certainly, once again, until that real trust is established, when the office makes a decision on a, on an important issue, it can really feel as a parent that, oh, well, as usual, the principal siding with the teacher. Yeah. Oh, definitely. So now let's kind of look at ways we can positively re- resolve uh, this kind of uh, feeling parents have. And we, and we certainly totally understand that feeling at times. 
it's important to ask ahead and really confirm that it's okay for your child to be part of the meeting or for a portion mm -hmm. of the meeting. And I, I think you'd agree, Carol. I, I really, I can't really think of a situation where the child would be there for the entire meeting. I just don't find that productive. No. Uh, but I do think, once again, depending on the issue, depending on the age of your child, it's important for them to, A, be there to hear parts of the discussion, but to also share their views mm -hmm. and to know their views will be respected. Well, and I was going to say, I, I know of a particular situation where the child was involved, and, and this was an intermediate child, a grade eight uh, student, and he was so proactive in providing strategies that would work for him, as opposed to the parent and teacher who are, you know, 10, 15 plus years, 20 years older than, than the student at that particular age, looking at it from their lens and their perspective. And and so these strategies got put in place and they were successful for this child. So I think having a child part of the meeting, it, it also gives them that sense of a voice and that they have control over their destiny, basically. The whole voice issue, huge. All stakeholders certainly uh, deserve a voice. And I mean, and who'd be more important ultimately to have a voice than the, the yeah. student we're talking about? Yes, yes. And I think, but you know, I also agree, Carol, that when you have, have these kind of concerns as a parent, it is so much more impactful and frankly helpful to have a few specific examples mm -hmm. rather than, oh, no one likes my, my child, so to speak. Have a few specific examples, basically, you know, rough dates, rough, rough kind of situations. That really adds a whole lot more kind of oomph to the, you know, to, to your argument, frankly. Mm -hmm. And when we look at consequences to behavior and kind of that consistency, there are procedures and protocols that are in place that are board and, and district driven. So, that would help guide and maybe be more aware of kind of what those policies and procedures are as a parent will help you to understand because we do want to have that consistency. But then it, I think it's also important that we, can, we can't bring other children, other students into the conversation. And, you know, I heard that this happened with this student or whatever, because there's a privacy issue around that piece. And we're, we're in those conversations. We don't want the hearsay from the community. We want actual facts to guide those, those discussions. And, you know, we are, this meeting is to focus on your child and what we can do to support your child moving forward. Excellent point. And, and I think it's once again, important to stress to parents that, when it comes to a significant issue, when it comes to what can be significant consequences for your child or other other kids, that the school's job is to basically investigate the situation thoroughly and follow whether it be ministry or board protocols and guidelines and procedures. And yes, there's some discretion at the principal's end. Mm -hmm. However, but most of the parameters those like those kind of parameters are established well above the principal yes, level. Yes. And I think it's important for parents to come once again be reminded of that. And and also I think it's important too that as a parent, you can certainly access different uh, support personnel to come to these these meetings. And particularly, 
if you have a like an, a long-standing relationship mm-hmm. with some of these people. And when we talk about support personnel, these are people that are directly involved with your child, and it is through your permission that your child is accessing these services. And it kind of reminds me of a situation when I was a special education facilitator uh, in our our district that means i'm supporting about 15 different schools with any special education needs or questions or supports for for students and one of the schools that i was supporting was a school i happened to previously be at as a special education resource teacher so in that school i was supporting all of the students with special education needs and there was this one family in particular that you know, my time there at the school, I worked very closely with them and the teacher and the child to make sure we had, you know, the best programming in place for that child. Well, that family had a disconnect with the school. And so she reached out to me and and asked if I could come and be a part of the next meeting just to help to facilitate bringing the two pieces, you know, the two parties back together and come away with that common ground and that plan moving forward. Excellent example of the positive and powerful impact support personnel can play. Mm -hmm. No question. Mm -hmm. And the final frustration, no one lives up to their word. And basically as a parent, whether it be Zoom, phone, in-person, whatever, school meetings always seem to have the same theme where, There's lots of talk, lots of great ideas are thrown out there, but days, weeks, months later, very little meaningful action really occurs. Mm -hmm. And you just feel as a parent, like there's no really clear plan in place and that nobody is ever following up with you and or gets back to you in a timely manner. And you just feel like, you know, every time you're starting all over again, when you bring up whatever the, the piece was. Well, it was always so important to me as a principal that if you came to our school for an, for a meeting, obviously by the fact you're there as a parent, you may well have taken time off work, etc. This is important. It's important and, it was, and we got to make the best of your time. Well, exactly. And we go back to parental perceptions from the parent's point of view, this is an important matter. Absolutely no question. Let's respect that. But part of that respect was it isn't a question of just, quote, appeasing the parent in the short term. It's I used to say to parents at the end of the meeting, okay, here's the plan. We confirm the plan. And then there was a monitoring piece. And then I would get back to them, say, I'll say, Mrs. So-and-so, I'll get back to you in a week. And just briefly, and if anything occurs in the interim that's not aligned with our plan, you get back to me. But it was, but it was kind of a a live plan. Like it wasn't just kind of something. Like it was very kind of in in real time, so to speak. But you're like you're so right, Carol. That monitoring piece is just absolutely critical, because many times parents, I I feel that many times parents can. And I go back to our days as parents for school matters. You sometimes you leave a meeting more frustrated than when you arrived, because you know your words, frankly, are not going to resonate, and your concerns have no legacy. They're not going to resonate beyond the length of the meeting. meeting. You're right. You're right. And really, when you're feeling this way, then what are some of the things as a parent can you do? And one of the first things is to make sure that there's a very clear agenda, whether you're kind of generating your agenda as to what you would like to have occur, and then share that with the school. 
you know, don't go in with your agenda and then, but the school's not aware of it. And then you come away feeling, well, nobody covered what I had on my agenda. You know, share that with the school so that you do have that common ground. Absolutely. As, as we've mentioned numerous times, we're all on the same team. Mm -hmm. And these meetings, we got to value everyone's time and let's be transparent. And I think it's an important too to get a clear sense of what I always refer to as the distribution of accountability. You look around the meeting table, well, who is ultimately responsible for what? You're right. And I mean, we talk about a partnership. Well, those, those, that's just not just a, a lame little expression. It, 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 it's foundational. It's so important. So as a parent, you confirm what you will do at home to better support your child. But then you also have an expectation, absolutely an expectation, Everyone else around the table, well, what are you going to do mm -hmm. to support my child? Well, and I think, too, when we look to the, the strategies and the actions that are being put in place, the more we can be consistent between home and school. So if school is using this strategy and it's being successful or, or the child is just learning that strategy, the more you can reinforce that at home, the better it is for your child in making that part of their daily routine and then growing and building on that so that then they're better able to overcome those hurdles when they arise in the future. No question. And ultimately, on any meeting with the school, and I know we've, we've stressed this just because it's so important, we need to leave with a plan. Mm -hmm. And then when, when people at the table are saying, oh, you know, we'll be in touch or we'll get back to you or we'll follow up. Well, that's great. But once but again, timelines. when? Yeah, I think it's important to set those timelines. And I think one error sometimes the school does make, and, and I certainly would have been guilty of that at times, was, oh, I'll get back to you tomorrow. Well, it's those realistic timelines because heaven only knows what could come up between today and tomorrow. And then if you're not getting back to the parent when you said, then again, it kind of erodes that sense of trust that we've talked about. So Absolutely. making sure that those timelines are realistic. And as a parent, you know, we can't necessarily expect whether it's the principal, the teacher, the support staff, whoever, to get back to us the next day because there is time is needed to get things created and put in place. Well, also, I think, frankly, in a lot of these, like making a fundamental change in routine or implementing an initiative or whatever, giving it 24 hours is just woefully insufficient yes. to see if there's any sustainable change anyway. Yeah. So I want to stress, Carol, a student health concern or any follow-up to an injury or whatever, that's a completely different kettle of fish. And yes, we would get back the next day and monitoring it very closely. Yes. But if it's something where it's a longer-term academic change or social modification of some sort or whatever, I would say give it kind of a week because A, as you say, the next day is not really realistic, but also, frankly, the next day is not that informative. Mm -hmm. I want to see, is there beginning to a real sustainable change? It takes, yeah. it takes a few days. Well, it takes more than a few days if we're looking at a significant issue. Right, but just to get the ball yes. rolling in I some think that's, meaningful yes. direction. Yes. That's really yes. what I mean. But you're right. It, it certainly takes time. And once again, as you mentioned off the off the start today, Carol, it's so important to stress 
that these frustrations we've been talking about the last couple of podcasts are absolutely very real for many parents because it's through their lens, it's their perception, and as and as educators, educators certainly need to you know recognize and respect uh, that lens. But I want to also stress, parents, we have to keep in mind that it's not the intent of the of the teacher or the principal or the school in general. It's a classic kind of misalignment mm-hmm. of the in, the intent of the educators and the impact it may well have on you as a parent and on your child. Mm-hmm. So that's really what we've been focusing on. And really, there's no question that a well-established homeschool partnership that's based on regular communication and mutual trust really does greatly reduce the likelihoods of these frustrations coming up. And and so we you know continue to encourage you to be actively involved with your child's school, know what your child's doing, read the agenda, check out the website, you know. Make sure that you're responding to things that are coming from the school in a timely manner so that then you have that relationship and that trust to build on when a disconnect. Absolutely no question that the home partnership we've talked so much about the last few years has a huge impact on really minimizing a lot of these common frustrations. Mm -hmm. No question about it. That's a really good uh, tie in there, Carol. Once again, we want to thank everyone for joining us today. And as always, if, if you have any questions or comments, please email us at brickerbybricker at gmail.com or contact us through our website at brickerbybricker.com. And we encourage our listeners to share our podcast with other families they think might be interested. And a reminder to follow us on Voice Ed Radio or any of our other platforms, such as iHeartRadio, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And we look forward to connecting with you next time on Bricker by Bricker. Bricker.